Hey everyone, Tommy here. This week on the podcast, we have a message from Pastor Fred. He's continuing our parables of Jesus and diving into the rich man and Lazarus. Pastor Fred takes on the topic that's often hard to talk about, and that's death. But he also talks about life after death. So let's take a listen. It's a blessing to be here with you today and a blessing to share. It's been on my heart for quite a while as a hospice chaplain and as a, as a pastor. But first, I, I've got to tell you this little story. There were two gentlemen, two good friends. They were particularly, they were golfing buddies, John and Tom. And John and Tom went out golfing like every Saturday while they worked. And after they retired, they would get out and golf two, sometimes three, uh, once in a while, four times a week. Maybe you do that, some of you. John and Tom were just avid golfers and avid friends. And as they got older, they slowed down a bit. And one day, Tom became ill. And he was pretty much bedbound at the time. And John would go over, and they would talk and share stories about their old golfing days. And, and, and they, one day, they, they, they began to talk and, and, and agreed, you know, and talked and wondered if there were, were golf courses in heaven. And they agreed that whoever went first would come back some way, somehow, and share whether there were golf courses in heaven. Tom passed, and about six months later, John woke up in the middle of the night to this bright light at the end of his bed. And he woke up, and Tom's spirit was there, bright light, you know, and John said, Tom, is that you? And Tom said, yes, it is, John. Tom, what, what, what are you doing here? And, 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 and he said, well, John, I, I've been told to come and give you a message. He said, actually, I've got two good news and bad news. And in any story like this, John chose the good news first. And Tom said, well, well, the good news is that there are golf courses, plenty of golf courses in heaven. And they are beautiful. They are better than any golf course I've ever played on, on, or in, on, an, on earth. And John said, really? And Tom said, yeah. In fact, fact um, there's no green fees. It's absolutely free. The golf carts are free. And, and if, if you hit your ball into the woods like you usually do, John, it ricochets off the trees and ends up bouncing back in the middle of the fairway. And John said, oh, my God, really? Then, then what's the bad news? And Tom looked at him and said, well, tomorrow you've got a 9.30 tea time with me. <laughs> with that, let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for your promise of life eternal, a promise that's made possible by death on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Thank you for the promise and the comforting love that you give to us in all ways. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and souls be reflection upon that grace. So we're told that the only things that are certain in life are taxes and what else? Death. And taxes are, you know, maybe up in the air. 
This particular parable from Luke, chapter 16, it's, it's actually the second of two parables. The first parable, which is found in the first part of chapter 16, has to do with the shrewd manager. And it has to do with whether one can be trusted with what we are given. It's about stewardship. It's about managing or taking care of what God gives to us. Now, the second one, this one about the beggar and the rich man, the beggar named Lazarus and the rich man, it's at least in part about generosity. It's about sharing with your neighbor, helping one out. And the second one, Lazarus and the rich man, also reminds us something else. It reminds us that everyone dies. Everyone, that death knows no boundaries, rich and poor and in between. Now, the beggar who suffered all of his life, who was without all of his life, dies and goes to heaven. Father Abraham, who he's with, is a representative of heaven. This rich man who has been less than generous toward the weary Lazarus and probably anyone else, finds himself in Hades. And we're told it's a place where there is fire. It's really hot. This is like beyond Las Vegas hot, beyond Death Valley hot. And both of those places have been um, pretty close to the same temperature here recently. They are there in their respective places of eternity because they both die. And we too will die sometime, somehow, in some way. Now I know all too well as a hospice chaplain and a pastor that the idea of death and dying bothers some people, maybe a lot of people, including Christians. We don't want to think about it. I'm a fan of doctor shows. Been a fan of doctor shows for a long time. I'm going to date myself. I used to watch the old TV show ER when George Clooney was on it. Okay? Anybody else ever watch ER? No? Okay, you, you know how long ago that was. I, I've watched some episodes now of Chicago MD. I believe that's the name of it. But, but have you ever noticed, for those of you who are watching doctor shows, have you really like paid attention to the fact that there aren't many deaths on those TV shows? Almost everyone survives. Almost everyone lives. Once in a while, there'll be a death just to pretend that it's a realistic show. Since becoming a hospice chaplain, I've noticed how Modern society spends a whole lot of effort and time on glossing over the experience of dying, even the thought of dying. The inclination to hide and to exclude death from everyday social activity and thought is supported by the fact that we've transferred the place of death from home, the hospital, or long-term care facility. During the first part of the 20th century, people who were ill would 
be in their homes. Death was taken care of in their homes by neighbors, by friends. The doctor would come to the home, first part of the 20th century. But during the second half of the 20th century, which was caregiving, which was once assumed by neighbors and friends and family members, was sort of passed on to strangers and medical caregivers, professional caregivers, mind you. And the new places of death which emerged, hospital and long-term care facility, enabled the removal of these unpleasant sights and feelings of the dying process from ordinary social and cultural experience. And this cultural transformation, whereby death was blocked away, sequestered, confined, if you would, was attractive to a culture that was increasingly uncomfortable, and I would even tell you, even fearful of the thought of dying. See, in the hospital, dying is removed from the moral and social fabric of culture, and even Christians, we who follow a risen Lord who promises us eternal life. Think about that. We, we follow a risen Lord who promises us the gift of eternal life. Blockade ourselves off from the idea of death and dying. And that's really sad. I mean, really sad because what it does is we've, we've left ourselves and we've leave our loved ones totally unprepared. I believe that the one who gives us the promise of eternal life doesn't want us to be afraid of dying and doesn't want us clinging on at all costs. Now, I'm not talking about getting treatment that, that, that we need you know, and, and trying to get better. I, there's a difference between that and clinging on at all costs. Instead, I believe that Jesus the Christ offers you and me absolute assurance of something more when the time comes. Something more when our time comes and, and when the time for our loved ones to pass comes as well. Now, I want to say that again because I want that to sink in. That the one who gives us the promise of eternal life doesn't want us to be afraid of dying. Instead, Jesus offers you and me absolute assurance that when our time comes or when our time for a loved one comes, that we have God with us always. So this parable of Lazarus and the rich man, it also teaches us that there is more to life than life on earth. The rich man ended up in Hades. Lazarus was found to be with Father Abraham, that, if you would, depiction of heaven. My favorite account of the passion story of Jesus' death on the cross comes from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is pictured on the cross, and he's there between two common criminals, we're told one on his right, one on his left. And, and one of the, the criminals mocks Jesus, 
just mocks them. You know, if you're the, the, the Christ, if you're the, you know, wh- why can't you do this? Get yourself off the cross, those kind of things. And the other one seeks forgiveness. Lord, remember me when you're in your glory. And Jesus looks at him, and, and you remember what he says, because you've heard this before. He says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Not 10 years from now, not a hundred years from now, not a thousand years from now when I come back and claim the church. Today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. Assurance, comfort, a promise. I met John when I was a hospice chaplain 11 years ago with San Diego Hospice. San Diego. He was a patient living in Santee at the time, cancer. And when I first started visiting with John, he, he told me that he was a Christian, that he followed and believed in the Lord. He used to go to church, but not anymore. But, but he, he told me that, that his faith, and, and, and then not only about his faith, but how that faith had given him hope and comfort, even now, he said. And as I always do while I was there, I asked him what he wanted me to pray for. He said, Chaplain, could you, could you pray that I would be healed? I get that a lot. And I do, and I did. But recognizing in my prayer that all healing comes differently. You see, to be certain, I... I've seen people that I've prayed for get well, not cured, not cured, and, but, but it, well enough maybe that they've lived a couple weeks longer than they were expecting. Or in, in Cece's aunt's case, she lived in about a year longer. But the reality is, and we need to know this, is that not everyone that we pray for is healed or gets better. They die in spite of the prayers. And that's not because God failed. Death is not God failing, okay? In fact, I would say that he, death is the final healing. They die in spite of her prayers. And as this disease progressed, John had this fear of dying. And he said, chaplain, what do you think it's going to be like? And I looked at him, and I, and I said, John, I, I really think it's going to be a place of peace. Because my reading and study of scriptures, John, tells me that as soon as we cross over to the other side, from life on earth to eternal life with Jesus, we're filled with this, just this amazing sense of peace that, as Jesus says, passes beyond human understanding. And I told him, John, I also believe that it's a place, because Scripture tells us this, where there is no more crying and no more dying, no more illness. Our spirits are are whole, healed again, if you would. And it's going to be a beautiful place, John. It's going to be, and I'm not talking the streets of gold that we think about, but, but it's going to be a beautiful place, because it's a place where we experience the love of God at all time. And, and for those who've lost loved ones recently or even in the past, long time ago, your, your loved ones who've passed 
are experiencing the love of God all the time. Not some of the time, not most of the time, but all of the time, 24-7. I I love the picture of heaven in Revelation chapter 22. Now, here it is from the Message Bible. It says, then the angel showed me water of life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the lamb right down the middle of the street. The tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit each month, also symbolic of the 12 tribes. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and never again will anything be cursed. The throne of God and of the lamb is at the center. His servants will offer service, Worshiping, that's the service, worshiping. They'll lurk on his face, their foreheads mirroring God. Never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with him age after age after age. No other places in Revelation depict multitudes of people praising and worshiping the lamb who is on the throne like for like hours on end kind of thing. I, I had a, a gentleman in my church in, in Kansas I was at for nine and a half years. He said, said Pastor, you need to know that um, you, gotta, you can't have over 60-minute worship services here. They don't work for us. And I said, you know, if you don't like worship services that last over 60 minutes, you may not like heaven. Just the thought. Based on the scriptures, there's a place for those who pass from this life to eternal life, and that place has been prepared for Jesus himself, by Jesus himself. There's going to be no more sadness, no more crying, and and life in the spiritual realm will have no more illness. Those who had cancer or any other illness will be well again. Here's something else to know. That's, we're not ready for that. There we go. Bear with me. So, one of the things about assurance when the time comes is that we know the one who conquered death. I mean, that's a promise. We, we know the one, you know, who, who was victorious over death. We, we, we all die that physical death, but the reality is, is eternal life is real. That brings assurance when the time does come. Now, in 1 Corinthians, read this out loud with me. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been stalled up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And then two verses later, it says this from Paul, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you turn on your favorite sports teams, whatever it is, the Knights, the Golden 
What are they, the Knights? Is that right? Or, or the Raiders who, I won't tell you my teams. <laughs> You'll boo me, okay? Um, it would be nice if we turned on the TV or went to the game and knew they were going to be victorious all the time, but that doesn't happen. But here we know that Jesus is victorious. The Apostle Paul utterly believed this, that death has been defeated. We don't live on forever, not here on earth, but our souls, the spiritual essence of who we are lives on in the heavenly realms with the one who makes eternal life possible. I did my, what they call chaplaincy training, clinical pastoral education, CPE, at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego back in 2010 and 11 and 12, uh, four units, two years, CPE at a pediatric hospital. John Bredding, my supervisor, told the story of a, of a pediatric patient with cancer, mom of a pediatric patient with cancer. The, the patient was a six-year-old little girl. The mom began her experience with Rady Children's Hospital as an atheist. She looked at John and she told him, said, Chaplain, I don't believe in God. And now, with my daughter, I mean, how could I, how could a, a good God give my daughter cancer like that? And that's a whole other sermon. And by the way, God didn't give her cancer. The mom would ask questions about faith. And, and over a period of six months, she asked all kinds of questions about God. She asked questions about eternity seeking kind of questions. And when her daughter died, the mother asked John to conduct the funeral service, and he did. And as they were climbing the hill at the cemetery, the mom stopped John and said, are you, are you really certain, John, that I can see my daughter again? Are you really certain that she's going to be well again? That she's in a better place? And, and John said, yes. Absolutely, yes, I believe that. And with that, the grieving mom gave her life to Jesus. And she had hope for something more beyond her grief. Paul tells us that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We, we grieve, for sure. But because of Jesus Christ, we can have hope. Hope that our loved ones are in a better place. Hope for the best place. And hope and, and the assurance that they're healed in that place. We have hope. Here's what it says in Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of humankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those have fallen asleep. You see, Paul is telling us that, that those, that when Jesus comes back, those who pass, those who are 
asleep in the Lord will rise first, and those who are still alive, us, that, that we rise second. Now, I know all too well that grief is real. We humans, we, we feel the loss, a, a deep loss when a loved one dies. It's hard, and it can be crippling. We, we all die, though. And, and the death, here's the thing, death is not the final word. There's, but see, there's no more pain, no more sorrow for the one who died. But what about us? What about you and me? The ones, if you would, are, who are left behind to grieve. And Paul tells us that, that we don't grieve like those who don't have Jesus in their lives. But still, it hurts. Paul tells us this. All praise to God and Father of our Master Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercies, God of all healing counsels. He comes alongside of us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. In this passage, we're taught that God comes alongside of us. See, one of the reasons we, we don't grieve like those who don't have God in our lives is because God comes to us through the Holy Spirit and comforts us and, and fills us with a peace that passes beyond human understanding. And one of the ways that God comforts us is through others, other people who've grieved themselves. They've, they've had their own experiences with grieving. My, my brother took his own life in 1991. I was in Indianapolis. He had lived in Florida. No one saw it coming. Not, not really. I, I got the call from my sister-in-law's sister. And later that night, I was on the plane to Daytona Beach, Florida, where they lived. And I, and I met with them that evening and, and, and then went to the place where I was spending the night to sleep to rest. And Early the next morning, I got a call from Joe Jones. He was the dean of the seminary I was attending in Indianapolis. And he told me the story of how his brother had taken his life 15 years before. And he told me it was of, of his own grieving and his own comforting that he received. And he comforted me. He came alongside of me. Now, I, I do understand that not everyone has experienced the comforting presence of others when a loved one dies, or at least not like we would want to. See, one of the problems with sanitizing and glossing over death in our society is that people don't know how to extend comfort like that anymore. Maybe they're just unsure or nervous about it. Sometimes, here's a couple tips. Sometimes just sending a note of care and concern can do the trick. It lets the other person know that someone cares. Or letting them know in a, after church that you've been praying for them. Or maybe, you know, just 
calling them or texting them. In each of those ways, there seem simple ways, but they can be profound ways to offer God a chance to work through you, providing somebody else comfort to that one in need. Here's what we know, the assurance. Death is not the final word. Lazarus found himself to be with Abraham. He was experiencing an eternal life, life beyond earth, life beyond death. And you've heard this a couple times recently, but it's worth repeating, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, what are the next two words? That's it, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. My dad died of cancer in 1988. He was just a few months shy of his 67th birthday. And it was just two months before I moved from Florida to Indianapolis to go to seminary. Now, I still talk to my dad. See, my, my dad lives on not only in the spiritual realm, but my dad also lives on in me, just as your loved ones still live on in you. I still talk to my dad. When I get perplexed, I still ask my dad questions. I, I ask my dad advice. For those of you who've lost loved ones like that, you, do you still talk? Do you do that too? Do you still talk? How many of you do that? Raise your hand high. It's okay. We do. Because they're with us. They're never away from us. Never. Today, I want you to leave here today with the absolute assurance and reassurance that death need not be feared. Death will happen but so does eternal life. So does the comforting touch and the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Be assured with this promise that God is with you until the end and God is with you even beyond. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we do thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you for the grace of that promise and the comfort that we receive from your spirit and from others. Thank you, O oh God, that you are with us even now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this song that Cece's getting ready to sing, My Beautiful Bride, most of you know her more than me, um, on Saturday, last night at the service, Pastor Scott introduced me as Mr. Cece. If, if, if you don't think I'm going to get him back someday, you're mistaken. Okay? Grace only goes so far. She's going to um, sing a song called Hymn of Promise. And I first became familiar with that song. Let me go over here so we don't catch the... Uh, 
the, the, the um, speaker. I first heard the song and became familiar with the song when I was doing an interim with a Methodist church in Burlington, Kansas. There was a leader of the church, been there a long time, who was dying of cancer, and he, we met several times, and he said, Fred, I absolutely want this song that you're going to hear as a part of the service. And the song tells the story of what you just heard in a sermon. It tells a story of that time.
Thank you, Cece. Thank you, Pastor Fred, for sharing that message today that we need to hear.